Praise the Lord for that. I'm going to grab one of these here. Matthew chapter number 5. Matthew 5. Everyone doing well? How many of you are a little chilly in here? Is it cold in here? Just one person is chilly? Anybody else? Unbelievable. In church. Well, if she was, then you'd be sitting closer and she wouldn't be chilly, so... Let's do this. Let's, let's pray together tonight on a serious note. If you are there next to your spouse, why don't you take their hand and pray? Pray together. If you're sitting next to someone and you like the person next to you, then um, if they're not your spouse, you don't have to hold their hand. Um, pray. If you don't like the person next to you, make them pray. But let's take a moment and um, let's just pray. Honestly, if you're there with your spouse, just, just close in. This might be the first time you've actually had a chance to really talk today. You've been busy all day. First time you've seen each other, you've rushed all night, gobbled down dinner and got here. Father, would you... Uh, would you bless tonight? Lord, we will talk about a topic that, um, uh, Lord, you said if we do these things that we'd be blessed. And, uh, Lord, we need your blessing. Lord, today many maybe have dealt with something that is stressful or maybe just this week. And, uh, Lord, it's cold. It's dreary out. It affects our mood. And uh, Lord, we pray tonight that your spirit would just speak to us, would calm us, would minister to us, would encourage us, would remove any fear, any anxiety, that you would um, just comfort. Lord, there's people that um, are dealing with things in family, and I pray that you would intervene in that situation and give them grace and peace tonight. Lord, there's people maybe struggling spiritually tonight, and they're needing to hear from you. Maybe some are even wondering, do you still, do you still speak? Do, you, do you, you still instruct them? Do you care? Would you make that real to them tonight? And we ask that you to do this. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. Matthew chapter 5. We're going to be in several passages of Scripture, like each week. As we study these Beatitudes, we'll look at a Beatitude and then we will study that specific one throughout the Scripture. Not all Scripture, I know we give much, and so we're not going to be able to get to all of it. I'm going to give you some Scripture, and if you'll just write it down, and then just study that um, throughout the week. We come to verse 5 of Matthew chapter 5 this evening. And the first beatitude was, blessed are the poor in spirit. The second, blessed are the, they that mourn. And we looked at spiritually mourning, mourning over our sin. The third one that we find here this evening, Jesus says this, blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. 
I wonder what comes to your mind when you hear the word meek. Somebody, comes to your mind, talk to me, yes. Power under control, great. Somebody else, what comes to your mind when you hear the word meek? Humble, good, anybody else? Sometimes when we hear that word meek, a person might think someone is soft-spoken. Some may, someone who doesn't seem to have much of a, a spine, you know, they're easily walked over. Maybe you, that's your impression of what meek is. Meekness sounds suspiciously like weakness. Sometimes when you think of meek, you think of somebody maybe not strong. You think of somebody that is just weak. If, if that's what it is, the reality is I don't want it, and I suppose you don't either, if meekness means weakness. But Jesus tells us that there's something that we should go after. He tells us that there are things that we should get as much of as we possibly can in our lives. In one of them, he says, here's meekness. He says, I want you to get this, this humility, this poor in spirit. Spiritual mourning is something that we, we ought to get. And there's blessings that come to these. And then he says this, the third one that we look at this evening is meekness. Now, our goal is to live a peaceful life. How many of you want peace in your life? How many of you, peace would be a wonderful thing? Peace. Just, just life is so hectic. And he says this, blessed are the peacemakers and blessed are they which are persecuted for righteous sake. Blessed are the pure in heart. And those are all the things that we're looking toward as we look at the Beatitudes. We want peace. We want a pure heart. We want to, to uh, live that way. But, but we see this comes to those that right in the middle here of the Beatitudes, and I say this every week because I want you to, to see this is a pattern that Christ has laid out. Blessed are the pure in heart. Blessed are the peacemakers. Blessed are they that are persecuted. We'll never get to that place unless we what? Hunger and thirst after righteousness. But how do we get to the place of hungering and thirsting after righteousness? It comes through a poor in spirit. It comes through those that mourn, and it comes through meekness. The process the Lord laid out here in order for us to have this blessing, we must follow this step by step. And so tonight we look at meekness. What is, what is this meekness that we're to go after? I want you to just write this down. If you're taking notes, I want you to write that question down. What is this meekness? Now, some preach, and, 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 and I don't know if it's necessarily right or wrong, some preach, and it's just for knowledge. As long as you leave here and you have knowledge, um, then, then that was the point. Some, um, for me, I like to preach for not, not necessarily uh, just for knowledge, but to get knowledge, but for application. If all we do is get knowledge, the Bible says knowledge puffeth up. If we leave here and we don't put into practice the things that we learn, we're not going to have the blessings that Jesus desires for us to have. This past week, I had several people comment on Sunday's message. One person said to me, it actually works. I said, well, praise the Lord, it was the Bible. I'm glad we come to that conclusion. I got an email from someone, they said this, I've been having a conflict and I I, I, I'm searching, and I was so glad that I left here Saturday or Sunday morning with a pattern to follow how to deal with this conflict. 
The Bible is for application. It is for us to follow. So when we leave here, we need to know what is this meekness that we're to go after. Every single person in this room ought to long and desire to be meek. Well, first of all, we need to know what that means. And second of all, then what we must do is we must leave here this evening with a a pattern and a, a game plan. How do we become meek? Because Jesus says this, blessed are the meek for they shall inherit the earth. It's that third ingredient then that comes to hungering and thirsting after righteousness. How many of you want to hunger and thirst after righteousness? You've got to be meek. Matthew Henry, how many of you know who Matthew Henry is? You've heard that name, Matthew Henry. He's a bio, he has written, wrote uh, many Bible commentaries, and he points out that in Latin, that a meek man was called, write this down, mansutis. Mansutis, that's that Latin word that he talks about, which, is, which is, uh, means meek man. Now, that is two words, manu and sutis. If you take those two words, manu means this, hand, means hand. Sutis means used to. And so if you put those together, it means this, used to the hand, used to the hand. I'm going to explain that in a minute it comes to mind the taming of a wild animal used to a hand. A horse, a, 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 a bucking bronco, you know what the problem there, why he's so wild is he's not used to the hand. How many of you know horses or have horses, right? There's, you tame them, you get them, get them to where they're used to your hand, used to the bit, used to the bridle. A meek man... Again, this is important foundation to lay here, is, a, is two words, manu and sutis, hand and used to. Used to the hand, again, it comes to mind the taming of a, a wild animal. A horse that has not yet been broken is not used to the hand. We were at the rodeo here at Lucas County, and, and one of the Patterson boys volunteered to try to take a wild a, a animal that was not used to the hand, and if he can get that, could have got that animal to the ground, he would have got himself like a $50 gift card. It wasn't even worth the three ribs he cracked trying to do it. But it's to take this, this wild animal and tame this wild animal. So when someone comes near it, if this, this wild animal, it bucks and it kicks. It resists the bit, it resists the, 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 the bridle because its strength is not yet controlled. Steve said it right, meekness is, is really strength under control. It's the opposite, really, of weakness. Meekness is not, I just fall down and I'm too weak to fight or I'm too weak to resist or I'm too weak to do anything. Meekness actually means this, I have the strength to resist, but it's controlled and I choose not to. I have the strength to fight, but it's under control, and so therefore 
I choose not to. Meekness is strength under control. When, when the horse gets used to the hand, its wild passions are subdued. When a Christian gets used to God's hand on their life, their wild passions are subdued. When, when a horse gets used to the hand, its strength is controlled and the animal is at peace. I want you to think about that. When a person is used to the hand or accepts the hand of God on their life, that is the answer to someone coming to the place of peace. The Bible compares our fallen human nature to the impulses of a wild animal. Mark this down and go back and study this. In Jeremiah chapter number 2, verses 23 and 24, I want you to, I want you to, to study that out and see this. The Lord, he compares his people to a wild, a wild donkey, to a, a restless camel. God says his own people are like a wild donkey, a, a restless animal. Not a very flattering description. How many of you would love to be described as a wild donkey and a restless camel? It's probably not something we would like to be described that, but that's, that's the description that God was giving here in Jeremiah chapter 2, verses 23 and 24. He, by nature, we're like wild animals. We have passions. How many, buddy, how, how many in this room, in your passion, you did something that later you regretted? Has anybody ever done that? In your emotion, you did something that later you regretted. How many of you, while you were doing it, you were regretting doing it, knowing you shouldn't be doing it? But your passion, your emotion, that restlessness inside of us caused us to do something knowing that it isn't, what, it isn't good. Meekness is strength under control. We have strength, but it's neither directed or controlled. So our strength gets used in ways that often are unproductive. A person that isn't meek, their strength gets used in ways that are often unproductive and think about this, even destructive. This is why it's so important, as Jesus is giving his disciples here, to go after meekness, because many a times when our strength is out of control, it leads to destruction. It leads to hurt. It leads to things done and things said that leaves us in a place that we're of destruction. So if we want to become useful to God, we need to get used to the hand. And when we do, while when we do, our wild passions are subdued. When we get used to the hand, strength is harnessed, harnessed, and we begin to experience peace. And so if this is meekness, we should want as much of it as we possibly can. Would you agree with that tonight? If that is meekness, strength under control. Whose control? Is it our control? No. Strength under the control of God's hand, under his hand. So I'm going to give you a couple things here tonight. I'm going to give you two sets of points that I want to give you because I want us to understand what it is, and then I want us to leave here knowing 
How do we apply that? Because tomorrow, tonight, I say tomorrow, tonight, you're going to need to exhibit meekness. Tomorrow, you need to walk, you need to wake up, and the first person you deal with, your wife, your children, your coworkers, your boss, your day will be a day of peace. You will have a desire to, as he says here, hunger and thirst after righteousness, and therefore peace can come when we have strength under control. I want you to write these things down. What controlled strength could mean in our life? What, what could controlled strength mean? What would that look like in our life? You with me? Controlled strength or meekness in our life would subdue our impulses and give control over anger. So it would, meekness would subdue our impulses. It would give us control over anger in our life. Now, hear me, that word anger doesn't mean you fly off the handle, you're yelling and screaming. Do you know even in our lives, anger can be quiet? It can cause us not to speak. It can cause, we think of a fit of anger of somebody throwing things and just, just being out of control. Not everyone exhibits anger that way. Do you ever ignore someone because you were angry with them? You don't have to punch someone to show them that you're angry. You see, when, when we control, when, when controlled strength or meekness in our life, what it does is it subdues our impulses and gives us control over our anger. Number two, what it does is it changes the way you speak. Meekness changes the way you speak. You can say whatever you want to say. But meekness, controlled strength, it causes us to change. It gives giving you a control over harsh words and sharp put-downs. Have you ever said something on purpose to someone to be harsh? Have you ever said something to someone on purpose to be mean? Do you, do you ever, we're good at this, we, we like to use email because sometimes we can email or text something and say, oh no, you misunderstood me. When I called you a stupid idiot, that's not what, you, you took that wrong. You took it totally wrong. You must have been in a bad mood when you read that email because that is not the intent that I, I meant. Sometimes we can throw things out there Meekness, meekness, what controlled strength could mean in our life, in your life, is you changes the way you speak, giving you control over harsh words and sharp put-downs. A meek person doesn't look to use harsh words, even though they can. They deserve it. I wasn't wrong. Have you ever said something to someone and you justified it with, but I was right? Meekness says controlled strength. Number three, would you write this down? What controlled strength could mean or meekness could mean in your life? It leads you into contentment. Bringing, bringing you peace as you get used to the hand of God. 
Now, don't miss this part. Even in difficult circumstances of life. See, it's easy to be meek. If, if Lindsay's just a nice, she's so kind, and she's got that southern accent, and she's just like mom, and she's so nice. It's easy to be nice and meek to someone else that's nice and meek. But that's not what Jesus is saying here. What he is giving the impression here and helping us to understand is this meekness, it, it is, it's, it's, it's bringing you peace as you get used to the hand of God, even in the most difficult circumstances of your life. In the worst scenario you find yourself in, that is where we're to be meek. How many of you would say that's not always easy? I can be nice to nice people. But Jesus says, be meek. Blessed are the meek. He's not giving you a stipulation there. In the worst, most difficult circumstances of your life, Christian, we are to be meek. Strength under control. Write this down, please, and think about this. Wild horses don't win races. How many of you ever seen the Kentucky Derby, a race like that? How many of you ladies get your big hats out? And... Listen, there's never been a, a horse that won a race that when they brought him up to that starting block, they were kicking, they were snorting, they were out of control. They never brought a horse up that had never been trained that didn't understand the hand no race ever won, was won by a wild horse. In the race, the Christian race that you and I ought to desire to win will never be won without meekness. But when the horse submits to the bit and the bridle, its strength is under control. You see, meekness actually brings strength under control. That's what meekness does. Meekness in a person brings strength under control. It tames the temper. It calms the passions of the heart. It brings order to chaos that would otherwise reign in our soul. Every one of us in our life, there's opportunity for chaos to reign in your soul. Just... Just look at the events of life. There's always opportunity. How many of you have raised children or are raising children? There is opportunity for chaos. My, my wife and I, we had, we had a couple in this week, and we took them back to the airport yesterday, and they've been married since May. We sat with them up at the airport, and we were speaking to them, we and we were talking to them about parenting and about marriage, and they don't, they don't have children yet, and we were talking about just, just how wonderful it is, and, and um, you know, six, eight months into marriage, isn't it just like everything's wonderful? And then all of a sudden, something happens where problems start, and children start, and job starts, and financial things start, and if we're not careful, those things can cause chaos. And if we respond to those chaotic things without control, it leads to destruction. 
This is what happens when you become used to the hand of God. When you submit yourself to the hand of God, all the chaos comes under control. So what does, what does meekness look like? All right? What, what does meekness look like in practice? I want to look at that this evening as well. And write these three things down, and we're going to look at these three things of what does it look like. And I want you to really think about this. Is this happening in your life? If it's not, you're not going to hunger and thirst after righteousness. Righteousness isn't I'm right, my way is right. Righteousness is God's way is right. And is that what we're hungering and thirsting after in our life? I want you to write these three things down. And again, we're going to look at each one of these. Meekness involves three things. Number one, it involves submitting. How many of you love that word submitting? It involves submitting to God's word. Meekness involves submitting to God's word, God's will, and God's people. Those three things. Meekness, if you want to be meek, it involves submitting to God's word, God's will, and God's people. And we're going to use the rest of our time this evening digging into what meekness involves. All right? Go with me to James chapter number one. The book of James chapter number one. In verse number 21. How many of you want to hunger and thirst after righteousness? Say amen. How many of you want to know what meekness involves? It involves submitting. Look with me in verse number 21 of chapter 1, the book of James. Wherefore, lay aside all what? Filthiness. And what? Superfluity of what? Naughtiness. And what? Receive with what? Meekness, the engrafted word, which is able to save your souls. He says here, receive with meekness the word. We must be submitted to the word of God. Hear me, Christian. There are so many Christians that have a Bible, that pride themselves on the Bible, some even a specific Bible, yet they don't obey what the Bible says. And they wonder why they're frantic in their life. They wonder why there's chaos in their life. You must, if you desire peace, you must then get there through meekness, and it involves submitting to God's word. You must place yourself under the authority of God's word. We have so, so many in churches today, they, they're basing everything on emotion, how they feel. There's Christians today that want to live however they want to live, and it doesn't matter what the word of God says. They've actually come to the place where they've said, but God understands. Listen, God does not understand and God does not accept you living a life contrary to the word of God. He doesn't. Don't fool yourself, Christian, into believing that because it's you, God winks at it. He doesn't. 
Everything he puts in his word is for us. And we must, meekness involves submitting to that, putting myself under the authority of the Bible. We seek peace, yet we live contrary to the word of God. And we wonder why there's chaos. And I don't want to get into specific things tonight because I just want you for a moment, would you... Would you say to the Holy Spirit of God, is there anything in my life where I'm not submitting to the, to the word of God? Is there anything in your marriage right now that you know, the Bible says husbands love your wives. If you don't love them as Christ loved the church, you're never going to have peace in your life. It isn't them. Well, if they just would do, if my wife would just do what I want done and listen to what I say, and no, that's not going to bring peace. The only way to bring peace is by being obedient and submitting yourself to the word of God. That's, that's the only way. It doesn't come from any other place. <laughs> My, my wife is on this, was on this, um, I guess she still is, Christmas time. We, um, we bought, she bought so many games. She, we went away for Thanksgiving and, and she had this grand idea that we would stay in the house, don't leave the house. We'd stay in the house for like five or six days and everyone would just get up in the morning and we'd play games all day. And we'd go to bed, you know, with games in our mind and wake up. And that was her plan. So what do you want to do while we're there? Play games. And she borrowed games and bought games and Jacob bought games. And, and then, then she found some games that they borrowed from people. She said, I'm going to buy those for the kids for Christmas. And so whether the kids wanted games or not, they got games for Christmas. I don't know how, I don't know how this ever crossed her mind to becoming a good idea, but Mackenzie opened up one of her games and she was so excited, it was Twister. I said, who's, who's going to play Twister? Well, Dad, it's really easy. You, you, and they, I mean, they moved the furniture and laid this thing on the floor and had all these colors and, and you spin this little dial and whatever it lands on, you put this one and... and, and who does this? Like, who thought of that? And even, even more confusing me is, how did that ever come as a good idea, as a gift to play? And they've been begging. You've got to bend and twist and reshape. And by the time you're done, you're like, who wants to be on the bottom of me? Like, how is that a good idea? I said to Michelle, like, how is this a good idea? Chloe, underneath of me when I fall. Any of the kids. Like, how is this a good idea? In any world, they think it's great. But listen, we as Christians, we need to allow God to bend and reshape our decisions and our desires. Let me ask you this question tonight. If God wants to work in your life and bend you and reshape your desires and your decisions, will you let his word do it? Meekness involves a submitting to God's word. God's word always bends us in the direction that we, in our sinful condition, don't like to be bent. It's contrary. It's contrary to what we desire. 
And so meekness involves submitting. Allow God to bend you and reshape you in your desires. All right? Number two, submitting to God's will. So we submit to God's word and we submit to God's will. And I want you to stay with me, please, on this. I know this sounds practical, but sometimes it's the practical things that we just need to get. Are you submitting to God's will? There may be times that God puts you in places you would not have chosen yourself. And hear me. I look at Sunday's message. Do you realize that God allowed the Jews and Peter to be in a place of conflict or contention because there was something that God desired for them to come to the conclusion in. He wanted his will done. What was his will? What was his will in chapter, what chapter was that? 11? I'm preaching 11? What was his will? The Gentiles to receive the gospel. But how if the Jews have it and they don't go into uncircumcised people, how are the uncircumcised going to get it? They had to be obedient and submit to God's will. Hear me, there's things that happen at work. There's things that happen in our family. There's things that happen in our health, opportunities that we have. There's loss that we go through. And this is the will of God. How are you at submitting to whatever God wants? How do you behave when you don't get your way? Hmm. How many of you like it when you don't get your way? Meekness says this. Meekness says that I am going to, I am going to submit to God's will even if it isn't my way. And this is important. I want you to turn to Matthew chapter number 26. You awake? You warm? How many of you are still holding hands? Any of you? That didn't last long, huh? Matthew chapter number 26. And once you think about this, let's see Jesus, let's see his example of meekness, okay? Let's look at that. Think of that as we read this passage of scripture. And he went a little further and fell on his face and he prayed, saying, Oh, my father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. I want to show you meekness, though. Look what the last part of this verse says Nevertheless, not as I will but as thou will. Did Jesus have the strength to make this go away? He's God. Meekness says, God, I find myself in a place that I might not like, it might not be comfortable, it might not be where I want to be, but meekness says this, I submit to your will. And when we come to this place, that's where peace comes from. We think, listen, listen, listen. We think that peace comes when everything in life is the way that we want it to be. It's not the case. 
Peace comes when you are meek, submitting to the will of God, letting God's will take place in your life. But I don't like the work situation or the family situation or the health situation or the opportunity or the lack of opportunity that I think is there or the loss that I just experienced or, or I don't like what I just had to deal with. But God's will and submitting to that always brings peace. Jesus shows us this right here in Matthew. Not my will, but your will, Father. I want you to write this number three down, submitting to God's people. Submitting to God's word, submitting to God's will, submitting to God's people. Ephesians chapter number five, in verse number 21. Ephesians five, verse number 21. The Bible says, submitting yourselves one to another, in the fear of God. We're going to look at this, build on that in just a moment. Submitting to yourself, Ephesians 5, verse number 21, submitting yourself one to another in the fear of God. Meekness grows through discipline of committed relationships. Meekness grows through the discipline of committed relationships. I'm going to come, to come back to that. All right, so how can we grow in meekness? How can we grow in meekness? Write this down, please. You grow in meekness as you moderate your expectations of others. Number one, you grow in meekness as you moderate your expectations of others. What do you mean by that? Go with me to Psalm 103. Psalm 103, I want to answer that for you. Psalm 103, in verse number 14. Psalm 103, verse number 14, the Bible says this, For he knoweth our frame, he remembereth that we are what? Dust. He knoweth our frame. Verse 14, I hear people still turn there. Here we go, Psalm 103, 14. For he knoweth our frame, what does that mean? He knows our frame. He knows what we're made out of. He remembers that we are dust. We need to remember the frailty of others. I um, uh, several years ago when I was pastoring in, in Georgia, we did we uh, took all of our school students to camp. Uh, I had just uh, just moved there, and I wanted to get to know all the uh, uh, school students and the teachers, and so we went to a couple days, and we rented. It was a um, uh, camp in Alabama. It might have, I, I don't remember. It was through some association, but they let us come in, and they, they took care of the, the meals, and we, we got to put our own program on. It was a lot of fun. And so we got there, and there was a cart, um, and, it, and it just made sense. You know, we had high school students there, junior high students there, and they found a flat piece of metal with four wheels on the bottom of it and a handle, and there was big hills there. And so it just made sense. Take that metal thing with wheels, sit on it, and go down the hill. Well, what happened was one of them did that, and it broke. And the guy that was running the camp 
he found that out and he was upset and he really he was really upset with our students and he went to the guy that uh, uh, was was leading the youth ministry at the time there at the church and he was really upset. He says, you know, it's a brand new piece of equipment. We just purchased that. We haven't even used that. Your kids took it from, from, from uh, uh, outside the kitchen door and they used it for something it wasn't supposed to be used for and they broke it. He was mad. And this fellow that he was mad at, he came to me and he said, man, this guy, he is just, he's, he's, he's uptight and, and he had all this nothing but negative and bad to say about this guy. I said, how well do you know this guy? Well, I mean, I don't know him, but this is, I said, so you're going to let one circumstance, one event, that you had one, one correspondence with this guy, he's going, you're going to allow this to dictate your feelings, and then you're going to tell the other teachers and the students how awful this guy is and change everybody else's impression who doesn't even know this guy. He just kind of looked at me. I said, you can't base someone in, 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 in come to the conclusion about someone because of one circumstance or one incident you had in, the, in your life with them. That's unrealistic. But we grow in meekness by, by growing in our um, moderate, our expectations of other unrealistic expectations. I said this to them, do you ever think that maybe this guy had a really bad day today? And that's what all this is? He just simply had a bad day. I said, did you think that maybe this guy got some bad news about camp or family or something? Did you ever think, did you ever consider, or your expectations so high about everybody else that you're always discouraged? It was, it was interesting. The very next day, the guy came back. And he approached this guy and he said this. He said, listen, I had a really bad day yesterday. Several things were breaking and were costly. And that was just like one more thing. And he said this, it's not really that big of a deal. I apologize for how I responded. And he came back running to me and he says, can you believe it? He just had a bad day yesterday. And I said, can you believe it? You told everybody how bad this guy was, and now they think he's something he's not. And that look on his face, he just said, oh. You see, you will grow in meekness as you moderate your expectations of others. We are dust. Listen, human beings are going to let you down. Human beings are going to have bad days. Think about the burdens that others carry. Meekness always considers others. I want you to write this down, number two. You'll grow in meekness as you make friendships with meek people. He, hear me, those who you surround yourself with are vitally important in life. You ever hear that misery loves company? Proverbs 22, look with me in the book of Proverbs chapter 22 in verse number 24 and 25. Proverbs 22, verses 24 and 25. The Bible says, make no friendship with an angry man. 
and with a furious man thou shalt not go, lest you learn his ways and get a snare to thy soul. Lest thou learn his ways and what? Get a snare to, his, to thy soul. He says this, don't build, build friendships. You'll grow in meekness as you make friends with meek people. Be careful who you get your counsel from. If you surround yourself with meek people, when you need counsel, you know what you'll get? Meekness. If you surround yourself with angry people, you know what you get? Angry counsel. I won't ask you to raise your hand, but how many of you ever got bad advice because you got advice from someone that was not thinking straight? We all do. And the Lord here is, through Proverbs, is reminding us that's not what we ought to do. Someone that constantly is complaining is not probably going to give you the best advice when you have a complaint. Their habit rubs off on you. And so you'll grow as you make friendships with meek people. Number three, would you write this down, please? As... As you discern God's hand, even in the work of your enemies. I want to I really dive into this. You'll grow in meekness as you discern God's hand, even in the work of your enemies. There was a man by the name of Thomas Watson. He said this, what made Jesus so meek in his suffering? He asked this question. What made Jesus so meek? His answer, he answers his question by this statement. He did not look at Judas or Pilate, but he looked at his father. What do you mean by that? Go with me to John 18, 11. I'm going to explain this. Here, here we have... Here we have the, the, um, the betrayal. Judas betrays Jesus with that kiss. And then comes the guards, and the guards are going to take Jesus. And, and this is going to be the beginning of now his suffering. And he, um, he, he says this in verse number 11. Then said Jesus unto Peter, put up thy sword into thy sheath. The cup which my father hath given me, shall I not drink it? Let, let that sink in. Put up thy sword into the, the sheath, the cup which my father, my, who's given it to him? Judas? Pilate? Herod? No, he said, the, the cup that my father giveth me, shall I not drink it? Jesus didn't blame Judas or Pilate for the cross. He discerned the hand of God even in the work of his enemies. Listen closely to this statement. As long as you see your story as a story of what others have done to you, you're going to live in a disappointed, and angry, frustrated, and even resentment. Let me, let me say this again. As long as you see your story as a story of what others have done to you, you're going to live in disappointment, in anger, in frustration, and even resentment. Christian, 
That's not where we want to live. What does meekness do? Meekness causes us to see God's hand, even when it would be easy to blame our enemies. Jesus said, Father, forgive them. There's another passive scripture that I thought of. Joseph said it this way, what you meant for evil, God meant for good. You see, Joseph said to his brothers, they came and said, oh, you know, dad's dead. And he told us to make sure that, that we told you that, that he didn't want you to do anything to us. They, the Bible says they feared. If you're, if you're reading through the, 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 the um, uh, one-year Bible plan, you're, you're going to be in, in, in getting, either getting close to this or you'll get here real quick. You're going to read about Joseph and his brothers. And they said, don't, don't, don't do us wrong and don't do us evil. And Joseph, the Bible said, he wept. He was done with it. Why? What was he saying? He was saying this, I have already seen God's hand in it. Meekness says, I see God's hand and I'm not going to blame people. Hear me, so often if we're not careful, events of our life in circumstances in our life, we end up blaming people, the pilots, the Judases, the brethren, and Jesus says, Father, forgive them. He didn't say, Father, please show Pilate and these guards and those that hit me, please show them your wrath. He said, no, Father, forgive them because this is your plan. Turn with me to 1 Peter. I'm, I'm, I'm done here in a moment. 1 Peter chapter 2. In verse number 23. First Peter, I'm in Second Peter. I'm saying that's not right. First Peter chapter two, verse number 23. This is how Jesus showed meekness. Who, when he was reviled, what did he do? What did he do? Talk to me. He reviled not. That's strength under control. That's meekness. Who, when he was reviled, he reviled not again. When he suffered, he what? He threatened not. That is meekness. What is that? That's strength under control. But he committed himself to who? To him that judgeth righteously. He realized this, the hand of God. And listen to me. If we could recognize and learn to recognize the hand of God, and stop responding chaotically, angrily, and letting our lives be dictated by our emotions. Approach these things, approach God's word, approach God's will, and approach God's people with a spirit of submission, meekness. Strength under control. Hear me, if you can't recognize God's hand, if you're not used to God's hand, you will never hunger and thirst after righteousness because righteousness can only come by God. By God. Father, help us tonight. Help us.